Hey guys, welcome to episode 4 of the Cora Podcast. I did this one with Sifu Cora's aka Jazz, but before we get into that, gotta get the shoutouts out of the way. The first couple goes to Avera of Light, Jessatria, and Cora Nagas, and Mako. You all sent me asks telling me how much you loved the podcast and you liked the idea of having an area to finally discuss the finale and book four in, and I just wanted to let you guys know that I, I'm glad you liked it and I'm glad you found um, the opinions you wanted to hear. And Mako, I would absolutely love to podcast with you in the future so keep an eye out for that and one hillist you reblogged the last podcast and you commented on how you appreciate the fact that people are still discussing the finale in book four and recognizing how bad it was so i just wanted to let you know that i saw that and i'm glad you liked the podcast and ultra avatar cora you also reblogged the last podcast and you commented on how you thought we made very good and valid points so i wanted to thank you for that Final shout out goes to some demigod who sent me an ask telling me that you found my voice very lovely and so I wanted to thank you for that. It's always nice to hear that people like your voice and also I am into Percy Jackson so just a heads up. Um, before we get into what I did this podcast I just wanted to let you guys know that I am looking into making these downloadable. Um, I, I'm, I know that not all of us have 40 minutes a day to sit down and listen through these podcasts, which are pretty long. So if I can make them downloadable, I'll definitely let you know. Um, now, I did this podcast with Jazz, aka Sifu Koras, and she's fantastic. Everyone knows who she is. She has such a great analysis on the characters and the show, and we really got into it all. Like We talked about Korra's arc and how we found someone to relate to in Korra through the representation in the show and like kind of wasted potential and what, what, through, what went through the cast's mind at certain points of the show. And um, just a heads up, though, I kind of had like a sore throat when recording this, so my voice is like five octaves deeper. I still have a sore throat. Is it octaves or octaves? I don't know. You guys probably know. But um, yeah, I still have a sore throat, so just a heads up that my voice is kind of kind of weird in this podcast. But nevertheless, we still had a really great podcast, and it was so much fun to do this. I was looking so forward to this, and Sifu Koras has really, really great input and opinions, so you guys are going to love it. as we get into it i just wanted to ask you when did you start watching avatar and like cora and did it like change your life or affect you in any way well i actually started watching avatar when i was 12 years old um i'm kind of one of the, the older people in the fandom um mm-hmm. i started when i was about 12 so around the, um, the age that ang was um and it was just on TV one time. Like, my sister, my oldest sister was super into it. I walked into the room one day. I remember it was the um, the Agni Kai between Zuko and, who was his name? The Moonslayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Zhao, yeah. And I just kind of fell into that. I was a pretty casual fan. So I wasn't really as invested in Avatar as I was with Korra. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was about 16 when I found out about Korra. Um, 
and like automatically like when I read about her personality and stuff like that like she's really like hot-headed and impulsive like we share those traits and mm-hmm. I also noticed that she kind of she looked like me she was a she was a girl she was dark-skinned mm-hmm. um so I was just like oh okay you know I can get in with this um so I think the difference between Cora and Avatar with me was that Cora kind of changed me in the way that um, how I compose myself in public, mm-hmm. I guess, um, because only at my house before um, and only in front of my family, I'd be really um, outgoing or really, you know, kind of like crazy and wild. And I guess ever since Cora, I'm kind of like that all the time now. <laughs> like whatever you see online, that's pretty much how I act in public. <laughs> I don't think I'm quite as confrontational, but when I do get confrontational, I can be just as aggressive, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so she made you feel more confident about those kind of qualities. Yeah, and this is another thing. I was just the overall, uh, the pro- the quality of the production of the entire series itself, because I was getting older. I had just graduated from high school um, by the time it had premiered. So I didn't know what I wanted to do as a major. Mm-hmm. And I knew I liked to write stories. I was into the whole creative process. So just seeing book one in particular, the first three episodes, that kind of just made me want to go ahead and major and invest in something that was uh, creativity-based, since that's kind of what I do. Mm-hmm. So um, I I did a communications major. Um, I do creative advertising right now. So it's... I basically get to write and like draw and create all I want. And, uh, that's pretty much, um, because of Cora. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't really talk about how important Cora herself is for representation because like you, I am, you know, Brown, I'm personally Pakistani. So, um, we don't really get that kind of representation, not being, you know, white. And so when I saw Cora, the thing that Avatar and Cora did really well is represent all kinds of, um, skin tones, whether you be like, like, I know, I think in Avatar, there was a lot of um, people who looked East Asian, but they were dark-skinned, so that represented, like, a lot of, like, the Philippines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then people like Aang and, and Katara represented all kinds of um, skin tones, and it was really important because growing up in a country where all you see are, like, white, 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 even though it's supposedly a mixing pot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, it's good for us to see that kind of representation and then see that we're not being treated any differently. And what mm-hmm. bugs me a lot is that when TV shows do have an Indian or a Desi, they or like a brown person, they make it a big deal and they kind of make the focus of that person the stereotype, you know, like this person is really smart or has an accent. And so what Avatar and Korra did really well is represent those kind of people, but not treat them any differently, if see, that makes and, sense. Uh, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. That's mm-hmm. kind of, that's my problem with the fandom in general. You know, when, when people go to my blog, they expect me to whine and complain about this stuff so that's what I do do it all you want okay sweet so (laughs) (laughs) that's my problem with the fandom in general like you know um a lot of people who like to campaign for social justice and equal representation and quality and whatnot my problem is that people make those I've pointed this out on my blog before but people make those traits the selling point of that person like this person's totally awesome because they're brown or they're LGBT I'm like you should like them for who they are and you know the fact that they're brown should be the bonus Uh um so for me that was um I guess my problem with Korasami in general Mm -hmm. Mm because 
the only thing I would hear is that it's great representation. Yes. It's like, okay, forget the representation. How about the two characters themselves? Mm. Do they interact well? Or is it just for you? Is it just girl-girl pairing automatic okay? Yeah, like, I was just like, that should kind of be, like, the icing on the cake, mm -hmm. not, you know, the batter, the yeah, foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, it was just, that's my problem with fandoms in general. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, like, you know, I'm proud that they went ahead and made Cora, you know, a girl who's brown and... You know, she's she's her own person. We don't necessarily have to say, oh, she's this stereotype or, mm -hmm. you know, she's like this strong woman, like because she's brown is just that's just the way she is because she's Cora, mm -hmm. not, you mm -hmm. know, indigenous or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like this, the traits she represents, too, are very important from a feminist point of view, because, mm -hmm. you know, she is very um, and I talked about this with uh, with um, Emery, too, is that like a lot of people say they love seeing females not like not conform to the traditional feminine idea mm -hmm. but then Cora comes along and then suddenly she's being shut down because of that if you remember back in book one people were like uh -huh. oh my god I hate her she you know she's too unforgiving she's too this she's too brash and I'm just like hey certain people are like that and they get things done and it's okay she doesn't mm -hmm. have to be Aang 2.0 and so a lot of people and that's why they boosted Asami up especially is because mm -hmm. she was kind of like the comfortable, like, you know, traditional girl. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way back in book one. That, so book one, I was kind of, um, I, I'd followed the fandom since like the character designs came out. So <clears> when, <throat> you know, when the book came out, I was kind of in that casual part of the fandom. We just, I yeah. didn't say anything. I didn't invest, no made a post, nothing. I just reblogged stuff, but I was reading things like, I remember, um book five or no book or book one episode five in particular you know when Cora had kissed Mako mm -hmm. I was seeing posts calling her avatar Hora oh my god really uh, yeah really like people don't believe me I I found the post I reblogged it I was like yeah just in case you didn't you didn't believe me here's your receipt <sighs> you know it's dated around like what May May 4th something like that May 2012 they called her Avatar Hora. Because God forbid somebody likes somebody else, right? Yeah, oh, like, God. like I get what she did was, you know, it's wrong to it do was, that. It was wrong, but she owned up to it, and it wasn't even a big deal. Like, I felt like the fandom really blew things out of proportion about that's, a lot. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. But exactly. um, I think, um, I don't know, the, the whole them favoring Asami to the point where they're just constantly demonizing Korra, that kind of just put me off of Asami just like permanently yeah. like before I was like indifferent to her yeah, yeah. now I'm just like I don't want to even look at you I better mm -hmm. not see you on my dashboard mm -hmm. if you reblog something and you do not tag it I will unfollow you because I am petty like that <laughs> like I, I really want to like her um but I guess it's just uh the fandom uh the fandom Asami because you know fandom and yeah, canon. Yeah. um I, I want to like the canon Asami, and I, I guess I'm I'm more indifferent towards the canon Asami. Like, I'm like, okay, cool, you know, do your thing. Mm -hmm. Fandom Asami, I'm like, get out of my face. Yeah. Um, so, man, it's like, what, seven months later, I'm still salty about this. Like, it's horrible. Always going to be. I mean, the way she was, like, she had so much potential back in book one, and then nothing happened. Nothing changed. See, that's kind of what upset me about that, because a lot of people argue that it would have been... Um, it would have been like the cliche to have her um, play the bad guy. But the problem with that was that Bright had, when they had written her in, um, 
they when they re- when they decided to make her a good guy, they did not alter the rest of the plot mm-hmm. to kind of fit that. So mm-hmm. she was just you know kind of in the corner. Yeah, you know, and she didn't really start to piss me off until maybe episode six of book one. Um, because I was just like, what good are you? Like, you're just right, right. chilling. I really liked her episode seven onward when she decided to go against her father. Yeah. But then, you know, after that, it just kind of, okay, you know, I like you. Um, but she's not I, important. Yeah. I was just kind of like, I, I kind of want them to do something yeah, yeah. to you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get into book four, which is everyone's favorite book. Um <laughs> What, in your opinion, was the worst part of book four? And, I mean, I know this is, like, a really hard question to answer because there were so many things wrong with it, but... Okay, so, right off the bat, like, I should have known that this was a a bad sign from the beginning, but I really didn't like the first episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really disappointed, and it was because um, Cora was in the last few minutes. The Mm -hmm. whole time I I was waiting for her because I wanted to see what she was doing, and, you know, they're introducing, like, Woo, and they're showing what everybody else is doing in the sea. I was like, yeah, that's great, that's great, but, you know, where's Cora? That should have been the red flag for me, like, you know, don't hope too much for anything. And then I just started getting more and more disappointed each week. You you and Zach were saying that it became more of a chore. Yeah. Um, by the time they got to battle Azalfu, oh, my goodness, that episode, when that episode aired, I was, I was actually mad. I was really angry. Um, just because the focus was more so on Sue and, mm. you know, the metal clan. It's overall the worst part of it for me was the lack of focus on Cora because, you know, I'm here, like, I came here for Cora, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. you know, that's my ride or die. It's just, you're not going to show her. And, you know, I remember I was, oh, I was furious last night because I read this post on Tumblr where they actually, Bright actually admitted, or maybe it was Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, we couldn't fit her in certain yeah, parts. Yeah, it was, was like, it was what? so hard to fit her in parts. And I was like, I was like, what? that's it. You're dead to me. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it, it wasn't so much people think, oh, you know, you're just mad because of Korasami. And I was just like, obviously, you yeah. don't. Yeah. We didn't watch the same show, her. apparently. Yeah. I was like, you don't understand how Korra stands work or you don't understand how, you know, or they just like to assume <clears throat> these kinds of things. You don't like, um, just because you don't like book four, you know, you don't like yeah. how, because of Korasami. Um, Korasami for me, that was kind of the, the kind of the final. That was like problem. the icing on the cake. Yeah, I was just. It was just like, a buildup of all this disappointment with Cora's arc and like everything, and the finale did not feel satisfying. And then when they paired her off with a girl who she hasn't talked to for like ten episodes, I was just like, okay, this is this is bad. See, I was. I remember I, I posted this a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to this with my little sister, because um, my little sister is also LGBT, and uh, mm-hmm. she. I told her back in December, like, I was really grumpy for, like, three days, and mm-hmm. she was like, what happened? I was like, Cora and Asami, that's what happened. And she was like, wait, what? And yeah. I was like, yeah. She's like, I didn't see that coming. I was like, well, yeah, neither did I, but apparently I have hetero lenses, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, my God. Yeah, my friend who stopped watching the show after book one, she I showed her the finale, and the entire time she was just like, what the fuck? She was like, is this the same Korra? And I was like, sadly, it's supposed to be. But yeah, definitely Korra's arc was disappointing, and then that Korra Sami was like, the fuck? See, here's, people what? think that it's, like, super popular, and I guess, you know, it's it's progressive in itself because it is a same-sex pairing. Mm-hmm. You, know, that's, you know, that's great that you're getting that visibility. Mm-hmm. However... You know, um, Emery used this example last time with, you know, Steven Universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
you have like basically they're gay space rocks that's basically space. Like, <laughs> they're they're aliens from space they're like little gems it's a super cute show but uh-huh. um most of the gems are interested and in each other actually all of them you know there's a there's this one gem, her name is Garnet, and she's made of two smaller gems. Mm-hmm. So they're a couple, and they kind of fuse to make a Garnet. I don't know, it gets, like, a little bit more complicated from that. Yeah. But the fact that they're same-sex, like, right after The Legend of Korra had wrapped up, right. um, there came the news about Steven Universe and the representation there. And I was just watching, I started watching it, and I was just like, I'm seeing everything. Like, everything is so clear to me. Right. Um. And my thing is with, you know, online Tumblr and the fandom is that when they want to discuss these sorts of things like representation and, you know, hetero lenses and stuff like that, they act as if they're, they're the ones with the progressive eye Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and they treat you very, they treat you like you're stupid because, because you you didn't see that obviously the teen moment was like the most romantic thing in the universe, apparently. Yeah. So with, uh, you know, with, the finale with Korosami is kind of funny because I get two different opinions from uh, in real life and on Tumblr. Yeah, same. Yeah, so I walked in. Uh, I walked into one of my lectures, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it's a smaller class. I I uh, I walked into my writing class. Everybody knows. Yeah, me. I think you told me about this. Yeah, everyone, Jasmine. Like, do you uh, did you see the finale? I'm like, I don't even want to talk. About it. <laughs> Spent the entire class like, talking about it, bitching about the finale. Everybody, they're like, "That is horrible." Yeah, and this this one person behind me, they were they were mad. They were worse than I was. Like, I tried to compose myself in public. Right, right. I tried to keep MS on a DL, but it just was not working. It yeah. was kind of like leaking. Yeah. So you could see me just increasingly getting angry and angry and angrier. Uh, but we were criticizing the whole book the entire the entire class and it just sort of made it feels realize, good yeah it does when yeah. there are people you're not the crazy one right um but i guess the the largest audience would be online and they do have a lot I of i mean online on tumblr there's a very biased view i would definitely mm-hmm. say because it's like okay. very you're very pressured to like Kurosami. so anyone who's entered the show just now or entered the fandom just now very pressured to like that kind of stuff and i can understand when you're not in the moment it's very like with at with avatar I personally am very, like, unbiased towards Katang or Zutara. I didn't care either or. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't watch it in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, but watching Korra in the moment made me really, really like Makora. So I feel like online, definitely a lot of people are more biased to, like, Korasami. But when you go into real life, like, I walk around and I meet new people. And, like, one of the questions I ask some people are, do you watch The Legend of Korra? And they're like, yeah. And then I'm like, do you watch, did you watch the finale? And then they would just shit on it with me forever. And it's, <laughs> it's surprising how many people really hated the finale and you don't see that online because you, if you hate the finale, you're either under attack or, you know, you're, you're just not talking. Yeah, no, I, you know, I kind of think it's really cool how the, um, there are people online, especially, you know, in the fandom who are willing to, you know, go in and, you know, actually be honest about it mm-hmm. despite the risk that they face you know we've had i've had people, people calling like you and like other people not lgbt people mm-hmm. like saying that you're homophobic even though you are <laughs> it's just crazy that's like my favorite thing ever actually like for some reason everybody thinks i'm also white yeah online yeah um i don't know where they would get that idea but um it's just, it's so easy to assume that someone is in a quote-unquote, like, position of right. power. Right. Um, 
half the time I'll go in and just kind of like criticize other people. I was like, you guys are so quick to call other people homophobic and whatnot, but I don't see you out there holding out signs, you know, trying to actually campaign for um, actual like justice out in the real world. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, using online tools, that's important, Mm -hmm. but it's better to go be productive with that energy rather than go and rally around some uninformed 15 year old and bully them <laughs> yeah. offline stuff like oh that's God. happened. Like, yeah. uh, yeah. recently I just, encountered- and these kind of blogs that like attack these, these people are very famous, like Khorasami blogs. So they have a lot of followers who just do whatever they say. And I've talked about them before, but a lot of them are really, like they they'll say, quote, I'm in my own lane. And then they'll start, they'll, they'll start <laughs> shit. they'll start like making like, you know, the we'll be popping bottles quote, uh-huh. One of those very famous Korosami blogs, which I have verbally, like, already, everyone knows I hate her so much. Mm-hmm. She's always, like, made fun of that. And she she's one of those blogs that's like, oh, I'm in my own lane. But she'll start all this random shit. And I'm like, bro, nobody cares about your pairing. Get a life. She's, like, 26 years old. I'm like, do you have anything uh, else to do? I know you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. I was just thinking at the beginning. I was like, well, there's a lot of those. But <laughs> no, um. In particular, like with that, I actually see a lot of references to that post a lot with yeah. the, was it the feudal lord in the hand? Yeah, oh my post. god. Like I was, um, you know, and it really sucks when you enter a new fandom, like a big enough fandom, like obviously like I kind of, I'm really careful with the Steven Universe fandom, I kind of, I'm in that casual lane again, mm-hmm. but I still see references to that. And I'm just like, say it one more time. If you were in front of me, I'd punch you in the face because mm-hmm. that it's not cool. Someone got bullied offline. They had anxiety attacks from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just people, I guess, the being anonymous online, it kind of gives you, it gives you feel a empowered. Lot of false courage, which they should not use mm-hmm. in the ways that they do. Yeah, yeah. So I know that you were the head of the Makora Summon Project, and a lot of people have like a lot of questions about it. So can you just go over what this is and what, how you came up with this idea? Because it's a huge, like really great idea. Uh, yeah. So the Macquarie summer project it is an ebook and it's really meant to just generate more content mm-hmm. because it's becoming really hard to actually find uh, new fan art, fan fiction and things like that without coming across any like fan wink posts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I was, my very first fandom was the Naruto fandom, and I shipped these two characters, uh, Sasuke and Sakura, and um, while I was in the fandom, I was about maybe 13, 14 at the time, but while I was in that fandom, they all came up with this idea to come up with an ebook um, for the same reasons, because a lot of people don't like that pairing as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't even know how it came to me one day, like I, it was just kind of, all of a sudden, like I woke up, I literally it was a Sunday morning. I literally woke up and I was like, Makora ebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it came out. And I was just like, okay, all right. Um, so I went online, I went onto my blog and I was like, Hey, I have like a really crazy idea. Mm-hmm. Does anybody want to hear it? And immediately I got responses and I was just like, okay, well, here's the idea. And like right away that same day I was, I made a blog, um, got some people involved, like started creating polls, making Mm -hmm. timesheets and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I guess that's awesome. We're here today. (laughs) So great. But, um, have you gotten a lot of like submissions yet or are you still waiting? Um, the submissions so far, it's like a decent amount. Um, I got over like maybe, 
I know 50 something writers and like 30 something artists. Uh, so far, I maybe have gotten a little less than like half of that because I know people kind of like procrastinate. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> like I'm struggling with like designs because I'm still trying to go over like the designs and covers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So hopefully it'll get done in time. Yeah, I just like a lot of the problems, especially with like I write occasionally. I hate writing, but I love when it's done. So it's kind of like a love hate relationship, but like. Yeah. I get really, like, I think it's the beginning that's the worst part, because you don't know what you're doing, and then you just, like, I've, like, written parts of it, and then I just scratch it, and then I write again, and I scratch it, and, like, my writing method is very, like, I write the entire thing in two hours. I can't do it over time. I have to do it in one sitting, so definitely with my problem with this right now is that I cannot think of anything to write. It's, like, writer's block right now, but I feel like you'll get the submissions in time, so... Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, it's, it was a great idea. Like, I remember seeing it in the tag, and I was like, is this really happening? Is someone really putting a book together? Because that is intense. Like, that's really great that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then um, somebody else wanted us to talk about Wu and the Badger Mulsi. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you're ready to get into that. So oh, uh, what did you think of that? Let's let's start with that. Let's, okay, let's, let's talk about this. This is a load of shit. Let's go. Okay, so... I, okay, first off, I like Wu. You mm-hmm. know, he's a pretty likable character. However, he should not be, like, they should have written him out at, like, reunion when mm-hmm. he, they dropped him off at Asami's house. <clears throat> that's, you know, that, that was easily, that's easily solvable. Drop mm-hmm. him off with Yin. Yin, you know, she'll take care of him because she's a grandma. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Then we get over to, you know, him singing with Badger Moles. You know, when I initially watched the fandom, or not fandom, the, you know, the finale, I literally thought, I was like, this is just, like, a massive shit post in an episode. What's going on? It's it's just a giant shit post. It was so, at that point, I was like, is this for five-year-olds right now? Like, what is going on? Like, I, so I was just kind of like, woo, better stop, better stop singing. Um, And it just took up so much time. So I was already, you know, irritated. Mm -hmm. And then... Then I learned that 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 scene was pitched by Brian. Of course, not too, not too surprised. I know, of course, <laughs> um, wasn't too surprised to hear that. But then this this part was the part that like had me furious. Um, they weren't really feeling that scene. That's of course, who would feel if you were a sane person who wanted to make a good show? You would not feel that scene. Yeah, the scene. The the writers were just kind of like, uh, you know, mm, mm. kind of like whatever. But they, they still gave it the go, the green light. And I was like, there's so much shit that you could have done. Yeah, like, um, they so- just completely like. I felt like by the end of the by the end of the show, really, they just lost the passion for it. They just wanted it to be over. You know what also kind of pissed me off, too? Varric and Julie. Okay, um, yeah. What was that? That was just, like, uh... So, I didn't... A lot of people... I have a friend who's, like, a hardcore shipper, and I was just kind of, like, you know, they, they dropped it out of mm-hmm. nowhere. That was... I was like, you want to talk about out of nowhere? Let's kind of, like, look at that group. Yeah, let's yeah. Look at that pair. <clears throat> and then I didn't... I also didn't understand the wedding, because um, mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a Western... Yeah, Western. that rubbed me the wrong way, too. I was like, how, I was like, how in the hell are you going to have... I was watching the show, and I know that, like, it's supposed to be modern in the uh-huh. 20s, but if you're saying Western weddings are the new modern, like, you know, status quo, I'm not going to be okay with that. Yeah, I was just kind of like, you know, I understand that, you know, Republic City, it's kind of their equivalent to an America. Mm-hmm. 
However, I was just like, this show is heavily Eastern influenced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at least, you know, you we've seen what a Fire Nation wedding looks like with Roku and his wife. We've mm-hmm. seen kind of what a Water Tribe wedding looks like with Kurik and his, and what's her name, Umi, before she got dragged down by Ko. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so bad, but... <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for a Republic sitting wed- city wedding, and you know, when I saw it looked very familiar to me, I was like, "This is this is some doo doo." Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. I was really, I was really mad, mm-hmm. um, just because like you guys, they do their homework when it comes to culture. They do such a good job with trying to, you know, um, incorporate all these yeah different cultures. Yeah, they do like, such a good job. So why are you giving me this load of crap? Like, yeah. what is this? I don't want to deal with it. So yeah, I was highly upset about that too. Yeah. It's just like with the combination of all the little small details that the finale got wrong and the, like the three big things that they completely flunked just made it a terrible finale and terrible. Even if this was like a season, it would have been a terrible season finale. It's a series finale and that's pretty bad. It's really weird though how there's so many people who will stand for book four season finale. It's because Corazami happened though. Yeah, it's so weird though because it's kind of like for me, book four is kind of like there are no high stakes involved. Yeah, kind of, but you know, you fall, you have book two, and I'm just like, you have Kuvira taking over, you know, Republic City, and then you have 10,000 Years of Darkness. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like you can't follow that up with, you know, the whole. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the spirit world arc, like the spirit portals. I did not like the third. Me neither. Portal. Me neither. Yeah. You guys were talking about that. I was like, yeah. I don't like it either. Yeah. This is spirit think- portal was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> what about what's happening right now in Republic City, the city you just fucking destroyed? You know, like- the for me, like the biggest waste of potential, you know, other than Asami, sidebar, Asami, actually, I expected her to be my favorite character. Oh, wow. I, well- yeah, I, Look where that got you. I know. I was I was drawing fan art of her. I was like, yo, she's gonna go ride the whip. She's gonna be so cool. Mm-hmm. And just anyway. Um but with um wow, I totally forgot what I was gonna say. I shouldn't have done um, that. Um oh yeah, biggest sidebar, like the biggest just the biggest lack of potential or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was with Cora um and Dark Cora. The, the beginning of book four when she's yeah. like in her demons and it just kind of like drop her it's kind of like it kind of felt like yeah just like dropped yeah. out of nowhere and i'm just kind of like what are you gonna do with this exactly so yeah. i don't know like the whole core versus dark core thing it didn't feel like i understand quarantine from her post-traumatic stress disorder but mm-hmm. but the fact that she would run away from that instead of actually face it was kind of like mm-hmm. i don't know but anyway, um, we're going to start getting into pairings now. So, okay, what, let's just start simple. What made you like Makora from the beginning or from whenever you started liking them? Why do you like them? Um, let me see. Oh, you're still here? Oh, you're still a jerk? Yeah, me too! <laughs> that, right there, Same. I was like, I was like, done. Okay, me too. We're, doing, we're doing this. Yes. Do you see Korosami ever working out personality-wise? You mean in my world, or we're talking about... We're talking about, yeah, sure, your world. If Kor and Asami were actually given development, maybe, do you, do, you, do you see that, like, would they actually have feelings for each other, given their personalities? I don't think so, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel like, well, the Korra that I kind of 
you know, I kind of got to know what is she's too, uh, she's very passionate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Asami is too passive. You know, I've, I've dealt with people who are really like passive and just really kind of like relaxed compared. And it's hard, isn't it? It's you really feel hard. like everything you say is going to trample their feelings or mm-hmm. like you have to really watch yourself. Otherwise you guys are not going to like, just for me, I can't see them together. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm kind of like, if I'm like going, if the train's going, I'm expecting you to keep up with my pace. And I yeah, don't really yeah. think Asami can really keep up with Korra, but you know, with the comics, we don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? Maybe Asami will get a personality, but like given the fan personality we've gotten, she's a very like, Okay, I'm not saying Asami's a bad person. She is very, you know, caring, I guess, and emotional and um, um, stable, I, if, if that's a better word for it. But, like, I just, with Korra's predict- unpredictability and, like, her brashness, her aggressiveness, her ability to get things done and just everything about her personality and then Asami's personality mm-hmm. doesn't really fit. It doesn't, it just, I can't see it work. Even in a friendship, I'd see their friendship be really kind of superficial and on the surface. Like, I kind of, I, when book three came around and I saw them, you know, kind of bonding, I was like, okay, I'm kind of for it. They're, they're my bro TP. They're mm-hmm. not my OTP. I hate them as a romantic couple, but mm-hmm. I love them as, <clears throat> you know, bro TP. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that came around, I was just like, okay, I'm for this. This is kind of cool. I kind of toyed around with the idea of them being romantic post book two because it was just like agony seeing Makora break up. Yeah. I was like, maybe Korasami. And then book four rolls around. And then people started being really mean. So I was like, okay, well, fuck this. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do this. Not into the fandom. Yeah. So, like, Asami's personality, here's the thing that gets me. There's so many people who enjoy mistaking their own headcanons for actual canons. Yeah! Exactly! <laughs> and they act as if their observations, their experiences is objective. That's kind of, you know, it's the truth. And if you question them, then you're a douchebag for mm-hmm. doing that in the first place. Like, my favorite thing is when people are like, oh, Asami grew up, um, she grew up without her mother. You know, so did Mako. With yeah, both parents. See, the fandom, this 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 kind of escapes my mind every single time. I don't understand. They don't understand the concept. These people, they're for social justice, right? Yeah. These people do not grasp the concept of classism. Yeah. And uh, they, they, can we just talk about, what is that bullshit? The uh, vendor privilege? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about that for a second. Let's so, do it. This was an actual thing that people were talking about. And it's really funny, though, book four, people are talking about themes of equality and like bender privilege and you know all this stuff and i'm like it's funny because actually the the theme with the quality is actually paired with the book y'all hate book mm-hmm. one book one book two well book one that's the whole idea of with classism and you know just equality and stuff like that people feel bad for asami because you know she had these terrible things done to her but they act like she's in a a, a place of disadvantage because she is a woman and she's feminine and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I'm just like, no, she yeah. still has money. Yeah. But, you know, it pissed me off about Hiroshi too. Cause um, like, yeah, she lost her dad, but compared to like Mako and Bolin who lost their parents and did not have anything to fall back on, I would say they got it worse. Yeah. They're saying, uh, you know, you know, Mako is a dude. He's, you know, Bender and stuff like this. I was like, he was eating garbage. <laughs> street girl. Mm-hmm. Were you not like street girl? You're, he was eating garbage with his brother. They joined a gang. They joined an illegal gang. <clears throat> just to make money. Just to they make had money. To do it. Yeah. Because of bender privilege. Yeah. Okay. 
And yeah. it's really funny because, you know, the book, book one's plot, uh, people kind of bought into the whole equalist uh, agenda, the propaganda and everything like that. And they're just like, wow, benders really are oppressing them when you really don't know the dynamic of the city mm-hmm. itself. And so it's funny because you see someone like Asami where their family was affected by, you know, um, the, the gangs and the gang violence of Republic City, like, um, you know, the benders. However, the, people don't really pay attention to Mako and Bolin because they were also affected by that violence. Mm-hmm. And not only that, because they were impoverished, that affected them in a more negative way. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the people in the fandom, they just hate poor people. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like Bright hates poor people. But oh, then again, see. you know, Mike likes Anne Rand, so... Oh my god, I hate yeah. Anne Rand. Okay, um, anyway, let's, before we get into Anne Rand, um, I'm just gonna... <laughs> So, um, yeah, but definitely with that, it was just, like, with and then with, like, Korra, Asami, and, like, Mac- like, honestly, just, people really like Asami for her fan personality, but we never saw that in the show, so it's in canon, like, for these kind of people who are, like, you have to like Korra Asami because it's canon. Well, according to, like, canon Asami is totally different from what you believe Asami is, but, like, yeah. it's just all these, oh my god, but anyway, um, and now touching on to the biggest in my opinion, let down of book four, which was Korra's arc. What did you think of that? And I, okay. I know we touched upon this a little bit, but like in general. Okay. So, um, this idea that she was not compassionate beforehand. Makes is me want to scream. That, oh, I was ready to fight someone mm-hmm. because people are just saying she needed to be humbled. She needed to be more compassionate towards other people. And okay. So for me, the, the the biggest sign, well, you know, she shared her fish with the vagabond in the park. You're just kind of like, oh, because, you know, doing something like that. She's like, always oh. been compassionate. Yeah, just like little things like that. But then yeah. here's the biggest thing. You're going to come to me and tell me that she needs to be compassionate when she literally had Rava ripped out of her body. She was literally, she didn't have those responsibilities anymore of being the avatar because she had, she didn't have uh, the light spirit in her. And mm-hmm. what did she do? She picked herself back up. And she fought to save the world. Like, tell me that's not compassionate. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's, it, to say that she And honestly, like, compassionate is just another way of them saying she needed to not be aggressive, she needed to not be brash, and Korra, she needed to be Aang again, or another Asami. See, I just, I don't understand that. Like, um, I don't understand why they would want just a repeat of It's because the- it's comfortable. <laughs> to them, it, it makes, it's comfortable to them. That's what they've seen on TV before, that's what they want, because... I am so just pissed off. Like, I, so I know that, you know, Brighthead initially, they like to incorporate little facets of Buddhism mm-hmm. in there. And I also, I do study, um, was it, I do study religion at my university. And we do learn, we did learn a bit about Buddhism and like, you know, saying, you know, she needed to be compassionate to, or she needed to suffer to gain um, compassion for everybody else. That itself, I feel like that's kind of a very basic, watered-down understanding of Buddhism. But then it also turns out that that idea, we all thought it was like a Buddhist principle. No, it wasn't. Um, it was actually from this war journalist or something like that. Uh-huh. He was like in like war-torn countries and stuff like that. And he was saying uh, he had initially got shot in the leg. And then he said because he got shot in the leg, he was able to you know be compassionate and understand uh, the position that all these people in war-torn countries... Okay, but in. that's a completely different situation. Yeah, they said that's where they got... 
it's where they got the idea from. And I'm like, that's it's different. Okay. What the fuck? So, yeah. It's what just, the f- oh It is a hot mess. Okay, we it all know that. It is such a mess. A- I feel like they're really backtracking now. Like, they, because they said all this stuff after the finale, that didn't actually happen. They really have to, like, backtrack and try to make it seem like they've been thinking about it forever. When in reality, it was just a last-minute decision. All this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know, with Korosami, I just don't like how they're like, oh, you know, we... we I actually, was the first Korosami shipper. Yeah, I was right. Like, if, I was like, if you don't shut up, because... <laughs> I, was like, I will fly to California. Find your house. Like, honestly... <laughs> Let's just egg his house. No. Let's just do it. Let's just do it, honestly. <laughs> no, but... I don't know, Brian... The thing I like about Mike is that he says his piece, and then he drops it. He's chill. Mm-hmm. Mike, or Brian... No, he's just... Brian just keeps talking. It's like, shut up, white guy. Yes, no he is. <laughs> he's, he's tactless. So. Yeah. All right, well, we got to wrap up, but thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. I'm so excited to see the ebook, and it was great talking about the show with you. So, thank you. Thanks for having me and for doing this podcast. No problem.